You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously. But you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive. Up to date wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. This is Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. I'm Steve Kraske. Multiple high schools in the Kansas City area have experienced racist and anti-Semitic attacks in the past month. Case in point, Blue Valley High School out in Stillwell, where vandals on Martin Luther King Jr. Day spray-painted the walls with hate speech and homophobic slurs. While these incidents of hate are nothing new, we'll talk about the most recent incidents and how one organization is combating hateful narratives. Joining us now is Ryan Sorrell. He's with the Kansas City Defender. That's a digital media outlet primarily by and for black communities in the Kansas City area. Ryan, welcome back. Good to have you here. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to be on. We're also joined by Mindy Corcoran of Seven Days. That's an organization dedicated to stopping hate and spreading kindness, especially among students. Mindy, always good to have you, too. Welcome to the show. Hi, Steve. Thank you. Ryan, nice to be on with you. You as well. Thank you. Mindy, what happened out at Blue Valley High School? Well, Steve, what I know is really probably what most people know is that um, some students uh, had too much time on their hands and had were misdirected into what they know about um, about other humans. And they defamed a high school. They defamed the Blue Valley High School. So, you know, I've read that three teens were arrested and their names are not being released because they're minors. You know, the other thing that happened is the school stood up immediately and took action, which Hmm. I think is fantastic. Where did this uh, spray painting, where did this happen at the school, Mindy? It was on the high school football stadium press box. Hmm. So extremely public um, and visible space. I'm wondering how are members of the school board responding to these instances of racism and hatred at Blue Valley? Mindy, what have you picked up? I do not know how the how the um, school board is responding. I haven't sought to see how the school board is responding right now. Um, I have been focused on our students that we facilitate through seven days. And we have some Kindness Youth Leadership Team members who are Blue Valley students. One is Emma Sandler, and she spoke out publicly um, on the news and in print. Ryan, what have you picked up about how the school board is responding here? Uh, I haven't heard anything specifically about how the school board is responding. Mindy, there have been other recent events as well, including one out at, uh, at Bishop Miege High School, not far from where I, where I live. What happened there? I know less about Bishop Miege, I, I, and I don't know that they have, um, I've not seen any news on whether they have found the perpetrator. I think it's highly interesting, uh, sounds a little bit copycatish that it happened so close to the Blue Valley High School incident. But it was a, a similar kind of incident, it sounds like. Yes. 
Same and, type of hate words and slurs, etc. And not to pile on here, Ryan, but there was yet another incident, this one in Richmond, Missouri, east of Kansas City, where a student there made racist comments uh, as the basketball team from the Paseo Academy of Fine and Performing Arts w- was getting off the bus there. So there's been a flurry of incidents in recent weeks. So is that how you're seeing it? Uh, That's certainly what I have been seeing and what we have been documenting at the Kansas City Defender. But uh, I think, again, you know, looking at all of these incidents, we saw the Blue Valley incident took place on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, Truly just an incredibly violent event to be taking place on a day that's supposed to be uh, honoring and celebrating black people, celebrating black liberation, black history. Um, and even these events leading up to Black History Month, I think, is truly a testament to uh, a lot that has not changed. And, and I think that it also speaks to uh, a growing assault and attack on uh, black history, black movements. I think that these aren't isolated incidents. I think that we can look at them contextually. And when we do look at them contextually, we'll see things like in Black in Blue Valley uh, two or three years ago, they elected numerous uh, supposedly anti-critical race theory school board candidates. I think that that is how you get something like this to happen in a, in, a, in that district. And so, again, I think that these are not isolated incidents. I think that there are uh, cultural issues that we have to talk about. We have to talk about white supremacy being normalized in these districts. Um, and, and so that's kind of, you know, putting these things in context. I think that they are happening very frequently right now, uh, but it's also not surprising. Mindy, do you see it the same way uh, as Ryan just pointed out, white supremacy being normalized in places like the Blue Valley School District? I'm going to have to say I don't see that. And and maybe that's Pollyanna-ish of me. I mean, maybe it's because I don't want to see that. That was the, That is the school district where my boys went to school. That's the school where you know, Reed was a freshman when he was murdered by a white supremacist. So I wouldn't say that I have a thought that the school district is um, normalizing white supremacy. I would say it's, um, it's infiltrated. White supremacy is everywhere. It's not just in, you know, a school district or a school, etc. But it is everywhere. We've done several programs in the past. And at seven days, our foundation talking about is a white supremacist, your neighbor, you know, being aware. Um, so I don't I don't agree with the normalizing in the school district itself. I think that it's normalizing across, you know, the United States and the world in certain pockets more than it should. I'm wondering, too, Mindy, if you're seeing a proliferation of these incidents, an increasing number of them or. Are we seeing more people standing up to these issues more and reporting them more frequently? I believe that we're seeing them reported more frequently. I think they've always been there and we are paying much more attention and with a with a keen eye. And I also want to point out, and, and this is not at all negative at what Ryan had to say, and I know that having this um, really horrific crime happen on MLK Day made it even worse, and I completely agree with that. But the slurs were not just against black people. They were against black people, but they were also against Jews and homosexuals. And so I feel like it's a broader message that the youth are you know, screaming out just radical hate you know, words to get attention. And so, you know, I want us to turn our eyes on focusing. Do they need to be punished? Yes. But I also want us to turn our eyes on how can we educate them to to have more understanding and more kindness and more 
um, grace for people that are not just like them. Mindy, how possible is it to educate them more in an environment where, uh, as Ryan points out, even topics like critical race theory are as intensely controversial as they are in districts like Blue Valley? Yes, I've had some education on critical race theory and appreciated it. It was very eye-opening and extremely helpful to me, and I'm still learning. I mean, I'm I'm a white girl from a white town in Oklahoma, and I have never hid that before, you know, hidden that. And I talked about it um, over the past nine years that I have learned significantly about um, blacks and Jews and and inserted myself into faith relations, etc. You know, I I think that not having critical race theory should not stop parents from um, teaching their children and how to be kind to one another. Um, is critical race theory important? Yes, I think it is. But I also think that without critical race theory in a, in a school system, we should just one we should just be kinder to one another and and learn about one another. There are so many groups inside schools now where you know there are. Uh, black student groups, black student unions, there are Jewish organizations, um, other faith organizations, you know, we need to give the students an opportunity to learn about one another, whether they have access to critical race theory or not. Would I like them to have it? Yes. But if they don't have it, that should not stop us educating um, even our children in our own homes and then educating them in, um, you know, in groups such as that. You know, there's something, you know, I, it's hard to disagree with what you're saying, but at the same time, this is 2023, and here we are talking about the importance of teaching our kids to be nice to one another. I mean, you know, boy, this has been a long time in the mix. Well, you know, it's the same thing as when you get on an airplane. I've flown thousands of times, and every time I get on an airplane, they remind me how to get off the airplane every single time. They remind me where are the exits. They remind me how to put my mask on. You know, now they have to tell us to take our face mask off before we put the oxygen mask on. And there are new people born. There are new families. There are new young people who become parents. And it, it, will, be, it will be forever. We will always need to be teaching people how to be kind. Um, it's better to teach people how to be kind than allow those who spew hate to teach them how to, to hate because mm-hmm. that happens too. Ryan, hop in here. Uh, definitely. I, I think that, you know, there are certain points that I agree with. I, I think I do uh, want to go back to this idea of critical race theory because I think, number one, critical race theory is actually not being taught in almost any uh, secondary education, you know, secondary level education school throughout the country. Um, critical la- critical race theory is a, a legal framework that's actually taught in uh, colleges and universities most of the time at the doctoral level. It's not something that's, that people are learning in, you know, elementary school, middle school, or even high school. And I think that that is uh, a very strategic effort that uh, is a part of what I was discussing earlier around uh, normalization of white supremacy. I think we have to look at uh, these curriculums, and a lot of these curriculums are discussing things like intersectionality, which I think is a very important concept, but it has nothing to do with uh, with critical race theory. And that means what? Intersectionality. Sure. And that's, that's also what I was discussing earlier. I uh, was not saying that black people were the only ones who 
were under assault by this violent act of hate that took place in the Blue, uh, Blue Valley School District. But intersectionality uh, is an idea that says all of these different struggles are interconnected. And so the, the struggles of black people are very much interconnected with the str- struggles of the LGBTQIA plus community, which are very interconnected with the struggles of Jewish people. We have to see that very oftentimes, uh, or, or even the struggles of women, um, and women's liberation movements. And so we're very much in solidarity with uh, a lot of these other movements. And we understand that those students who decided to take that act of hatred, there was a reason that, that they not only attacked black people, but they also uh, wrote, uh, you know, signs of hate towards Jewish people, towards uh, LGBTQ people. And so these are very connected uh, struggles. And I think that that's something that we have to acknowledge. And again, I think that we do Uh, have to name the fact that a lot of these school districts are not. And I'm not saying that Blue Valley is the only school district in the country or even in the state or even in the city or uh, the metropolitan area that is struggling with these issues. But I think that we do have to acknowledge that there is a legacy of white supremacy in pretty much every school district throughout the country. And uh, I think we have to name it. And and we can't kind of take, take the blanket off and say that it's happening everywhere, so we don't want to single this one out. But we do have to be very pointed in saying that it is existent there. We'll be right back. Hollywood writers are obsessed with the concept of an asteroid heading towards Earth and destroying civilization. But is this something we really should be worried about? I'm Kate the Chemist, and on my podcast, Seeking a Scientist, we meet the mastermind behind a real-life mission to divert the path of an asteroid. Subscribe to Seeking a Scientist, made possible by the Starris Institute. We're talking about a whole series of recent uh, events involving racist and anti-Semitic attacks at area high schools in recent weeks. If our listeners have thoughts on why we've seen so many of these events uh, of late, we'd like to hear from you. What's your theory as to what's going on out there? You know, Mindy Corcoran, um, let me inject a a bit of uh, maybe good news here. You made the point a few minutes ago that we are seeing more reporting of these incidents, maybe more than we've seen in the past, and that may lead to more more uh, more uh, reports in newspapers and and uh, KCUR about incidents like this. I gather that's a good thing that we're seeing more reports of this. People are speaking out when they see it. Yes, I think it's helpful to report incidents when you see something, say something. You know, in years past, when we did not, when everyone did not have a cell phone. I mean, now ten-year-olds and eleven-year-olds have phones. Um, to to showcase what's going on when we didn't have that and and these um, incidences and tragic you know violence was it was all hidden mm-hmm. and and that's not helpful when when you hide something like that and try to keep it a secret and underlying there's an underground you know audience talking to one another and then they you know and then they might have flyers out they might send flyers out and and ask their followers to you know to go and do something negative well if that can be if we can shine a light on that you know, right. if there's someone who knows it's really helpful and may i May I address one thing? I just want to say one thing about legacy of white supremacy in school districts. Ryan, I think there's a legacy of white supremacy everywhere. And um, and that's that's the issue. You know, my family was murdered by a white supremacist. And um, and it's just so important that we talk about it and not be ashamed or 
upset by it, that we make strides to move forward and and have equity with one another. Ryan Sorrell, again, with the Kansas City Defender. It's not lost on me that we're having this conversation just a couple of weeks past Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And just as we begin Black History Month, how would you describe the impact that news reports of these racist incidents have on the black community here in Kansas City and in the area? What do you hear? What do you, what do you pick up? Uh, one thing is that people are certainly outraged. I think that, uh, of course, again, contextualizing this uh, recent span uh, and increase really of, of racist uh, attacks on the black community, of, of hate crimes on the black community. I think that these are all very existent and need to be named. But I think that one critical aspect, especially uh, in light of uh, people like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., especially in light of Black History Month, is the black community's legacy and history of resilience and history of what we call uh, the black radical tradition or even the black radical imagination. Uh, all of these are uh, critical concepts that we've had uh, black freedom fighters historically in, uh, from Kansas City. We had people like Pete O'Neill, who still is not allowed back in the United States, but was the chairman of the Black Panther Party in the 1960s and started the free breakfast program for uh, young black children. And this was uh, in light of the assault that the government was taking on on movements that were trying to liberate black people. And so I think that uh, what I'm seeing right now, especially from black media outlets like ours, but really from black organizations all across the city, whether it's the Urban League, whether it's the SCLC, whether it's Operation Liberation, is that there are numerous black organizations who are stepping up to the plate, who are saying we're not afraid of uh, what's happening. We're not going to be uh, scared back by these racist attacks that are happening on our community. And we are going to stand up and we have a voice and we're going to use our voices and we're also going to use our media platforms. And I think that that's uh, a more nascent and recent tool that we have at our disposal. You know, Ryan, uh, Mindy made the point that uh, administrators at Blue Valley spoke up immediately about what happened out there. Is there anything that more that you'd like to see that's not happening, at least in the, the immediate aftermath of something like what happened on King Day? Uh, I, I definitely want to see policy changes. I think that it's, it's certainly... Uh, policy com- changes like what? Uh, well, I'll, the first thing I would say is I think it is commendable because uh, very frequently in situations like this, it can take uh, administrations far too long to condemn these types of be- uh, grotesque behaviors and, and hateful uh, acts. But, but I think that they didn't happen in this case. Exactly. And so I think that that is, in fact, commendable. Um, But in terms of policy changes, I think that there are numerous uh, organizations like Surge uh, here in Kansas City have uh, have a diversity, equity and inclusion tracker. And they've been tracking uh, how organizations have kept up their diversity promises since the so-called reckoning that took place in 2020. And so I think that really there's no overarching uh, policy, blanket policy that we can say we're pointing towards. It really depends on. Uh, the district. And so one example that I can give quickly is University Academy, where we saw a white teacher repeatedly using the N-word just recently. And students uh, approached our news outlet and told us, and we said that we'll wait and see if the administration does anything about it. The administration did not do anything for three weeks, and the teacher kept using that the N-word repeatedly. Uh, and, it, and until we broke a news story about this happening and it went viral, that was when the, the school took action. And just now, they're finally 
you know, trying to put in place practices and, and new procedures. And so I think oftentimes it comes after the fact, after children are traumatized, after people are hurt. I think I think I want to see things that are more proactive. Let me go to some phone calls here. Uh, David from Olathe. David, you're on up to date. Nice to have you. Hi. Um, uh, good, I was good morning. calling because I kind of came in the middle of the uh, conversation there, so I kind of looked it up real quick uh, online, and I was curious, why aren't they uh, charging it as a, as a hate crime and only as a crime of vandalism? Boy. Mindy, any insights into that? Um. You know, I don't. Not great. My my own, my insight would be that uh, I don't know that Kansas has a hate crime law. That's hmm. how I would first answer that. Um, but I don't know for sure. Ryan, any insights here? Uh, that was one of my first questions when I was researching this case as well. We're also talking about minors, which may change the equation here a little bit too, David. David, I'm sorry we don't have any better information for you, but it was a good question. Okay, thanks. Yeah, you bet. You know, Mindy, this might be a really good time uh, for you to talk to us about Seven Days, your organization that's dedicated to stopping hate and also focused on spreading kindness. Uh, Tell us about it. When did it form and uh, what do you do? Steve, thanks. Seven Days was formed um, originally as the Faith Always Wins Foundation, and we were we were created in 2014 after my dad and son and Terry Lamano, uh, who they were all three murdered by a white supremacist. This he is out of the Jewish, Jewish campus out in Overland Park. Yeah. Yes. The Jewish Community Center in Overland Park and then at Village Shalom also. So he mm-hmm. was bent on murdering Jews. And so Seven Days was created. And we just changed the name in 2021 to Seven Days. We put on a kindness walk. And this year we're also putting on our second annual kindness breakfast. We are really focusing on putting kindness resources in K through 12 schools. And uh, we have a kindness youth leadership team. We have 13 high schools represented from the Kansas City metro area in our kindness youth leadership program. And then one young lady who's been with us uh, four years is homeschooled. So we represent 14 different outlets of, um, of schools for the students. We put on a button uh, competition, a button art competition. If you see our graphics on our website, our students do those. And then we also have a kindness action essay competition. You know, there are a lot of great people in this world and a lot of great students. And um, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I heard someone say, you know, not not on this call, but, you know, this generation, that and this generation, et cetera. You know, every older generation says that about the younger generation. We have a lot of wonderful students and only to my knowledge, three students, maybe they had a group help them with this vandalism, but three students were arrested and that's it. You know, one man murdered, which was horrific. And so it really is a lower amount of people, but we just can't allow for that to happen no matter what. Why is Seven and Days so focused on, focus. why are you focused on young people, Mindy? What What was the thinking there? Well, because we can't change the minds of uh, adults. I mean, typically, you know, I'm, I hope you can tell I'm smiling about this. <laughs> you know, our donors are adults who um, are, are corporate sponsors and individual adults. We have uh, funding from adults, but but the minds that we want to be able to give them an opportunity to make decisions on their own and be kind, uh, we're, we're working to help them be kindness influencers 
rather than influencing, um, you know, about drug related. I heard you, you were talking about fentanyl earlier. That was an earlier show on. Right. Um, rather than vandalism oriented, we are working to give them an outlet to be kind to one another. And because they're available to change their mind and make a decision on their own. Let me go back to some phone calls here. Let's go to Claire from Olathe. Claire, uh, welcome to Up to Date. Nice to have you as well. Hi, Steve. Hi, Claire. I just, I'm, con- I'm concerned about the curriculum that our children are, you know, experiencing in school. I don't know if you heard the um, college board announced that the AP African American Studies course has been essentially diluted down. And if we avoid covering the darker parts of American history, if we do not expose our students to the scope of what um, violence and hatred has done in our country in the past, don't we run the risk of that hatred proliferating and we and seeing more acts of violence you know if teachers can't cover what has really occurred in our nation um, our students are being robbed of an authentic understanding of what it means to be American and so this also has to be something we address in the classroom thank you so much for this conversation yeah Claire thank you and Ryan Sorrell from the KC Defender I gather you would share that concern of Claire's absolutely I mean I couldn't have said it better myself I think that Right now, what we are seeing is so absolutely dangerous. Uh, it's, it's absolutely dangerous for the, the future of the education of our children. And uh, what we're seeing is leaders like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Again, we're seeing people like James Baldwin, uh, people like Ida B. Wells, um, all types of black thinkers uh, from throughout history who have played such a pivotal and important role and really shown us who the best people in American history are. A lot of those individuals are right now being cleansed from these curriculums. Again, I think it's absolutely an attack on black people. I think, again, as I have said throughout this conversation, it's once again showing the normalization of white supremacy that is existed. And really what it, what it also is, is a backlash from 2020. And I think I'm all about, again, framing these conversations and contextualizing these conversations. In 2020, we saw a so-called racial reckoning. We saw a lot of these schools uh, supposedly and alleging to commit to things like DEI and diversity, equity and inclusion and the immediate backlash that we saw less than a year later after the so-called racial reckoning was these right wing uh, extremist white supremacist movements that are taking place, as you mentioned uh most explicitly in Florida, but these are things that are taking place all across the country. Even here in Missouri, there was a uh, a hit list, basically a hotspot that was created by uh, a right-wing organization last year that identified schools and created a heat map that showed which schools were teaching black history, basically, and LGBTQ. And so this is something that is extremely concerning. Um, and I, but, but there are a lot of movements, again, that are resisting this. There's a recent pact that just formed in Lee Summit that is pushing for equity candidates. Um, that I, th- I think, again, that there's a lot of positive movements taking place against this as well. Mindy, we need to wrap here pretty quickly, but I, I'd be remiss in not asking you about your own life uh, and your struggle with hate incidents. And how do you keep yourself from becoming discouraged? Well, I allow myself to grieve when I need to. And when Blue Valley High School had that vandalism, I cried. It touched me. It was a trigger that, and it still is to talk about it and to know that the school where my son was a freshman and murdered, um, that they had that happen. And I was so thankful that the school acted very quick, very quickly. 
you know, Steve, I spend my time on seven days, our foundation, and I spend my time on a new company called Workplace Healing. My focus is to help all of us um, have eyes wide open. And, um, and, I, and I would be remiss to, if I didn't say that I really appreciate what Claire said as well, our caller who called in. We have to shine a light on the good, the bad, the ugly, and make a, a concentrated effort to move forward um, for the better of humanity. How can our listeners connect with Seven Days? Uh, our URL is sevendays.org. It's S-E-V-E-N-D-A-Y-S.org. Um, we're on social media, LinkedIn and Facebook as well. Thank you. That's Mindy Corcoran of Seven Days. Mindy, sure appreciate your time. Always do. Thank you. Thank you. Ryan Sorrell with the Kansas City Defender also joined us, uh, a media outlet that's uh, focused primarily on black communities in the area. Ryan, always good to have you as well. Thanks for taking some time. Thank you so much. Up to Date is produced by Zach Wilson, Reginald David, Elizabeth Ruiz, Zach Perez, and Hannah Cole. Our intern is Claudia Brancart. Our announcer and engineer is Paul Nakatura. Our theme music is composed and performed by the great Bobby Watson. I'm Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening.